I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome into this week's episode of the It's Utah's World podcast. I'm your host, Tom Hackett. Big thanks to our sponsors, of course, Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street in downtown Salt Lake City. And on this week's episode, we sit down and chat with Jill McBride-Baxter, a licensed sports law attorney and sports agent who has been in the field for many years. She is the daughter to Utah football legendary coach Ron McBride. And married to longtime college coach John Baxter, who was last previously with USC. Sit back, enjoy the show, and well, if you've ever thought about becoming a sports agent, this episode's for you. Jill McBride Baxter, thank you for taking the time. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Tommy? I'm very well, thank you. Now, where where, where is this cabin of yours before we get into the agency thing? Shaver Lake. Shaver Lake in, in, in California. Yeah, Cal- California. It's 40 minutes from um, Fresno. Uh, it's up in the Sierras, two alpine lakes and a ski resort up here. Oh, beautiful. That sounds, uh, sounds very nice. Lots to do. And uh, uh, now I, we need to explain who you are because for a lot of our listeners, uh, I think they'll be pleasantly surprised, Jill. Your, your name, Jill McBride Baxter. Yes. Is that your official name, by the way? Yes, it is. So you kept you kept McBride. Nice work. Um, my wife just kept her last name. She didn't even give me the <laughs> the, 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 the the you know the the time to say yeah, Hackett's going to be in there. She said, "No, I'm a Brady." Uh, anywho, but, Mc- go I mean, ahead. You know, I just I just removed my old middle name and put McBride in there as my middle name, and then added Baxter. I didn't even hyphenate. It's just Jill McBride Baxter. Oh, there's no hyphenation. That's there's just three no, names no, in yeah, there. Just three names, and then of course the girls all have McBride as their middle name as well. Okay, look at you guys. You do you're doing <laughs> something. Uh, McBride for all the Utah fans out there. Jill is Ron McBride and uh, Ron McBride's daughter, I should say. So and Vicky McBride. Uh, we can't leave Vicky out either. You know, Vicky plays a big role in what Ron does these days. So. Uh, Jill is the daughter to both Vicky and Ron McBride, former Utah coach, and uh, now married to, uh, I guess I, this kind of feels weird, but but John Baxter is now a former college coach, although he was a, a college coach and has been for many, for many decades. And yeah. uh, uh, unfortunately, he was last with USC. Things didn't work out there, and now he's trying to find his way back. But in due time, the world is in a very strange place at the minute, Jill. So I imagine... Our good friend John, our beloved John, will be back in the coaching circles sooner rather than later. Don't you think? I hope so. <laughs> he's been doing business consulting, so he's relatively busy, and he needs to have his mind constantly moving, Tommy. But he misses the 130 uh, student-athletes that he really enjoyed. And being at a, on a college campus, he enjoyed that. 
Well, I, I, look, uh, I know you didn't ask for this, but I think that may be why you two are married, have been married for so long, is because you both cannot stop thinking about whatever you think about. And uh, whether you're moving or sitting, it doesn't matter. That brain is a ticking. And uh, you guys do your own thing, and it's pretty cool to see. Now, sports agency, let's get into it. Uh, what is the sports agency called that you, you run? Jill McBride Baxter Sports. Jill McBride, Jill McBride Baxter Sports law. That's it. It's my firm. Yeah. Let's go back. Let's go back way to the start. How on earth did you get in to sports agency? Uh, Specifically speaking, I imagine you would have gotten into it, Jill, during a time where there just probably weren't that many females getting into it. No, actually what happened, I was in my second year of law school. It was 1987. And Gary Anderson, who was the coach at Utah State, was getting a contract with the Rams. And my dad, Ron called and he said, Hey, Jill, Gary needs an agent. He's getting a contract with the Rams. And I said, okay, well, I was president of the sports law forum at my law school and I was president of the women's caucus. And I said, well, dad, I don't really do that, but let me find out. And then he just basically said to me, well, figure it out. So I, I had just had Lee Steinberg come speak at my law school. I called Lee's office. I said, uh, what do you have to do to be a sports agent? Come to find out back then, you just had to pay money. That was it. And join the union and oh. become a certified contract advisor. There was no requirement of degrees, anything. It's changed now, by the way. So Gary was my first NFL client. <laughs> and Gary Anderson. Gary people. Did you not know that? I, I don't think I did. I don't think I knew Gary yeah. was your first client. I knew I knew he was an he was, old client. He was my very first client. And then I just kept doing that. You know, another person would need my help. And I just, that's what I did. So I went to a meeting that year. And yes, come to find out, I really was at that time, definitely the only female certified contract advisor with the NFL. I didn't know it. I wasn't paying attention. I just knew this is what you had to do to do it. So I got signed up and I did it. Wow. Yeah, I know it was a lot easier back then. Now you got to, now you got to have a master's degree. You got to have, take a test. It takes a couple of years usually to get in. And then if you don't do a contract in a three-year period, they kick you out. So that's it. Well, it's, it's very, very competitive now. And I imagine there was some competition back in the day, but but I have to think as the years have ticked on by, it, it's gotten progressively more com competitive but yes but, but and we can get into that here over the next couple of minutes by the way i did get a few questions from uh from some followers on twitter which uh which by the way you have a twitter jill why don't you uh what what, what is your twitter handle for all the people out there that would like to follow My you Twitter handle is and i just i know it's my name i just gotta see if the word agent is in there or not i, can, I should pull it up as well um Hold on. You are J underscore McBride Baxter is where you can find Jill at J underscore McBride Baxter is where you can find Jill. Now, Jill, um, you, you, you aren't, I guess your, your typical sports agent in the sense that you only focus on sporting stars and, and you also, you run, like a consulting agency yourself to try and help the next generation of 
wannabe sporting agent stars to enter the business. And, and you've got an entire system in place to, to, to help allow people like myself or, or whoever may be interested in it. Not, not that I'm necessarily there yet, but I've certainly thought about it in the past. What, what is that all about? How do, how do people that maybe say are 25 that hate sitting behind a laptop their entire life and, and want to get into sports agency, what can they do? Yeah. So what I did is I figured out about three or four years ago that a lot of people were doing online courses. So I used to get, I don't know, I'd get three, four, five emails a week. I want to be a sports agent and they wanted to interview me. Well, I only have so much time in the day. So I created an online course called Sports Agent Academy and it allowed, and it, and it takes you through a whole year progress of what to do to get uh, clients, particularly to the NFL but I think you can find you can file this use the same process in any sport, honestly, any sport you want to be an agent in. And so it's an online course, but I also have mentoring at the same time. So um, they call me, I'll say, okay, if this is where you are in the process, this is what you do, need to do next, or hey, you're interested in this, this is what you need to do to the research. Um, and then, but it's all in the back end of the course. Um, so yeah, so I have it's called Sports Agent Academy. And if you go to my website, jillmcbridebaxter.com, you can um, buy my course. And you it's just sign and up it, and-, and it's ongoing all the time. It's not live. It's not starts this date and ends. No, you can have it and you'll have it for the rest of your career. So you, oh, okay. So, so a lot of courses. So for example, like earlier this year, I took like a, a, a certain scouting course. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course I had to like log in at a certain hour and it was live. And, and this is not the case. You can nope. buy this course or package whenever you'd like. And uh, it's all recorded. And so it's, it's good. And you'll update it too, right? I do update it. Like for instance, there's some people that I know that are going to take the NFLPA exam this summer. So I will set up kind of some mock questions that I, I could anticipate them definitely asking and kind of just coaching them up on a few, just there's some things in the CBA that are, you know, pretty complicated and you could easily misinterpret what they're talking about. But, you know, since I've been doing it for over 30 years, you know, something always happens where, you know, I got to reference the CBA and, and, and then, you know, there's just, it's, there's, there's some just, it can be complicated if you've never done it before. Yes. Well, like, which yes. is why for players, it's important to get an experienced agent. Agent. Yeah. Yeah. CBA is, everybody thinks it's about this before the draft. No, it's really once you get in, making sure, you know, you're protected under the CBA. Because once you're making that kind of money, they will do anything to not pay you if, like you get hurt or, you know, you test positive for a steroid, whatever, because then you can't play and that costs the team money. You, you got your starts, uh, as you mentioned, with Gary Anderson in the NFL and you, you over the years have had a lot of NFL clients, but, but you haven't yeah. just stayed in the NFL. You, you ventured no. to other sports. Oh yeah. I, I have, I mean, uh, coaches have a lot of coaches and then you're talking about college coaches as well. College coaches, NFL coaches, basketball coaches, women's coaches. It doesn't matter. Okay. So how, how, what, I guess I have, how, what, what changes from a coach to a player? Is there any difference at all? It, it's very different. Um, I have a coaching consulting package. 
I have an entire, like, you know, setting goals is a big thing for coaches because they're so busy coaching and they need somebody to mentor them and hold them accountable to make sure they're doing the things to reach their goals. Um, negotiating a deal and protecting them um, is really important, particularly, uh, you know, when you have leverage, you need to make sure you get what you want. Uh, if you don't have leverage and you get fired, you also need support because they're also going to try to figure out how to, a way to get out of paying you. And just, you know, also just what is your goal? What's your end game? What, what do you want to do? Because if you really think about it, Tommy, who in your life, even when you were younger, sat you down and said, okay, let's set goals for the year and then held you accountable and every week, you know, met with you about, okay, did you do this? How did that go? How can I help you? Very few. Exactly. So if, a coach. If any. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I feel like I'm really good at. And then just working with them to try to get them the job that they want. Um, but I am a strong, strong believer in it's who you know <laughs> that's going to get you the job. Because um, even if I know somebody, if you're not the right fit, they're not going to hire you anyway. I might be able to get your name in front of somebody. But they also might say no. Well, so why is that? Um, and, and that's a, uh, I guess that's a loaded question. But look, I you hear stories all the time. Um, I don't want to throw names out there or anything, but but head coaches that are like, well, I really only hire people that I know, you mm-hmm. know, and it's yeah. And I, I just, I, you know, the more I think about that, the more it doesn't make that much sense to me. Is, it, is there? It, that big a trust issue inside of any human that they, because you're narrowing the pool of people that you can hire so drastically by saying, I'm only hiring somebody I know personally. Like in what world, Jill, does the CEO of whatever, KSL, who I work for, go, where are they going to hire people I know? No, that doesn't happen. When, what's with the trust issues within the coaching rank? I don't know. I, well, I think part of it is, you know, they work so closely together. It's very intense. And they want to know that you get along well with others, probably. Um, if I was, in fact, I just had a client call me and said, Jill, I have a special teams analyst position open. I, can you give me some names? So I did. Did you give and, them mine, Jill? Uh, no, but I can. If you want me to, it's happening right now. Let's hope, let's hope my boss doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. I mean, you want to be in cold weather in the Big Ten? Not necessarily, but if they pay me lots of money, I'll go anywhere. No, this analyst jobs don't pay very well, Tommy. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute because yeah, another anyways, thought just so, came up. So anyways, I in talking to him, he was in a hurry. He just wanted to hire the person. And I said, look, this is an opportunity for you to interview 20 people and get to know 20 more people that you don't already know and maybe learn something you didn't know. Why not interview people to get their information? I'm with you. What do you say? Especially, especially if you play in the same league. What did he say? He agreed with me. Is but, he going to do it? Yeah, he is going to do it. But I'm just saying. He had, a, he had a guy in mind. That guy decided he didn't want to take it. His guy ended up getting a full-time coaching job, you know, where he got to be on the field. So he left. He left just now. So, um, you know, 
he needed an analyst and he's looking for somebody who's good with kickers, punters and snappers because he's got a couple young kickers that need um, some guidance. Right. Right. So, and I mean, he's good at that too, but he knows that that's really where, I mean, COVID was just, you know, if, if your players started getting COVID and they couldn't play, cause in the big 10, they had a kind of a weird calculation. It had to be a percentage of your team, not a percentage of a position. Like the Pac-12 did a position. So if 70% of the players were out with COVID, you didn't play. Right. There it was 70% of the team. So if, if, you're, if you're 30%, you know, was all specialists. You got to find a punter. Yeah. He went into <laughs> one game with no kicker, punter, or snapper. They all had COVID. They all lived together. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound like fun. So, so I I joke with with Jay Hill about this all the time. Yeah, and Jay's Jay's my kind of go to. Uh, he's the one guy that, and I like Kyle as well. I, I you know I I do like Kyle. I just think Jay's a little more new school. You know, he's not so old school. Uh, and I'm like you know a millennial hipster type person, so I'm all about the new school. And I disagree with how much coaches work and how vigorous and intense the job needs to be i'm like no the job doesn't need to be like that though you guys make it like that there's no reason there's no reason for any of that to be true and i think covid uh proved me correct you don't even have to be in the building to get work done who would have thought goodness gracious uh but jay's my guy okay yeah, jay's a great guy and i'm always like jay I'm just waiting for you to get like a real job. And, and that's, a, that's a joke. That was a, that's a joke I, I tell him and, and he laughs, you know, where like your budget's larger and then you can just hire me a special teams coordinator. That's kind of like, yeah, that's my five-year plan. If you want, if you want me to tell you what my, and he laughs and he's and every time without fail, he's like, Tom, you, I told you this a thousand times. He's like, you're going to have to go through the GA thing, like the graduate assistant. Thing. You, Cause it's not just, I know you can coach punters and kickers and snappers. It's the scheme. It's all of that. It's maybe, you know, all the scheme. I don't know. Maybe it's the body types. I don't know. I don't know what, you know, and, and Jay's and, and Jay explained it pretty well. He's like, you know, to be honest, like I, and he told me, he said, I don't think you need to go through the GA thing because we've spoken, we've sat in meetings before, even after I've been done playing, I'll go up to Weber, watch film with him and dissect punting and kicking plays special teams plays to try and kind of help him understand where I'm coming from. And then he does the same in, in turn, but, but, but he did mention Jill and he said the GA thing is unique because it's a grind and it's hard. There's no money. You, you work, but you can, but when you're, when you're a GA, you can coach. See, when you're an analyst, you can't. So if you're masters, it's not a bad way to get your masters and you get to actually coach yeah that's cool and and he was saying that's like right there is where people find out if that's if coaching's for them because if you if you can get through being a ga you know and and going on coffee runs and donut runs and working 15 hour days and not getting much sleep and not making any money you get a degree which is cool and if you have a master's also be it but but yeah that that that's the time where where you'll figure out figure out if if coaching's for you you yeah. know, and so I was like, oh, I, I kind of get that. But yeah, no, I can tell you coaching's not for me. If you're going to make me do that, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, though. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, you also do um, um, athletic directors. Yes, I've had 
yeah, one of my clients, wow, she was the AD at Tulane. And then the AD, then she was an assistant AD at Notre Dame, AD at uh, Cal, now, now at Penn State. So yeah, and I've had her that whole time. I've been representing her. And, and so that's a very intense contract negotiation and renegotiation of deals. Um, Are you dealing with the president? You're dealing with the president, for sure. You're dealing with the general counsel for sure. But yes, you're dealing with the president of the university. I've also represented presidents of universities. I, I mean, I, I, because, and it's not because I was trying to, it was because I would do a deal and they would be like, okay, well then I'm going to have Jill do my deal. And that's, that's how I ended up getting Kendall as a UFC fighter. You know, it, Chad, Kendall was in trouble, picked some bad, picked a bad agent. He won the show. And then Chad's like, you need to meet with my brother. And I said, okay. So I said, I read the contract. I said, here's how you can get out of it. They got out of it. And they're like, well, we want you to represent us. I don't do UFC fighters. And he said, well, we want you to. So I did. And that was like 20 sponsors every three months. It was intense. And then I went to the fights. Okay. Kendall, Kendall, what, what's his last name? Kendall, the spider grove. Kendall and Chad. Chad Kahaha. Kahaha. Chad oh, Kahaha. The old, my, um... my dad. He's from Maui. So I traveled all over the world for about eight years with Kendall. Well, is, is Kendall Chad's son? Brother. Brother. I had. And Chad used to coach at Utah. Yes. And last I heard he was at USC. Is he still there? No, he's at UNLV. He's everybody, at, oh. everybody got fired at USC. There isn't one person left except oh. for the head coach. Oh, <laughs> I, wonder, I, I wonder how that happened. Anywho, we won't go there because uh, we'll get ourselves in trouble. Now, um, no, the same year, I mean, Johnny Nansen, Chad, John, Clancy, uh, now Tim Drevno, the weight coach. You want to keep going? They're all fired. They're all gone. Yeah. Things weren't. Uh... Anyway, now, uh, how has time changed, Jill? That, that's, a, that's a question I want to ask because I think it's fascinating. You, you touched on it earlier in the in the podcast you were talking about how you know back in the day when you wanted to become a sports agent you just had to pay money now of course you don't you have to go through loops and it takes a couple years to normally get it done but outside of that from a player's perspective and I guess I want to I want to I want to venture towards like more of like the social media side of things how 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 have you how have you tried to utilize social media to to then in turn grab clients well first of all social media about three or four years ago, I started following influencers on social media and learning how they did stuff. And I figured out what do they have? They have online courses, they have podcasts, and they're very active on social media. So I just followed what they were doing. And players have to do the same thing. Because if you want to, you know, we have this whole new issue with name and likeness, where in fact, everybody in the country that is a student athlete is going to be able to monetize their name and likeness. Which is good for you, by the way. Yes, it is good for me. But the first thing they have to do is they have to create a brand and build that brand. So I just created a new online course on how to create a brand. You're big on on brands. I am big on brand. And and what I mean by brand is it's creating a logo of who you are and what you represent. Okay. So if you really look at my logo, um, and let's see, it's, I'm just going to, I don't know if you can see it. Tom. Yeah, we can see that. Okay. So my logo is an Irish logo and it says protection, advocacy, and trust. 
and my colors are green, black, and white. And it says Jill McBride Baxter sports agent. That's what it says. Okay. So I'm just going to see. Yep. So there's my logo. So I teach you how to do that and to create a logo that does represent who you are and what you represent. Then you need to start to be active on social media because if you don't have a lot of followers now, and it depends on the quality of followers you have also, but if you don't have a lot of followers and you don't have that blue check next to your name, I think brands are going to be less attracted to you. And it's going to be interesting to see how much, and this is some research I'm doing right now. A lot of brands, they sponsor the school. Now, do they want to tie their brand to a student athlete who's in college? 18 to 22. Hmm. What could happen? I don't know. Sometimes 18 to 20 year olds don't behave. So, um, you know, I think you have to be, if you're, if, when you create your logo and your brand, you better protect it and you better act in a way that's consistent with how a company would want to be represented. Which is a rather tall task for some. It is for some, particularly 18 year olds that are just getting to college and go right off the chain. Right. I mean, People had a lot of fun their first year of college. Oh, I, I learned. Uh, I think I had a 1.3 GPA after my first semester. <laughs> um, so I can I can relate to having fun the first year of college. And and I I find it fascinating that these men are paid millions of dollars and they rely on 18 to 22-year-olds to perform, you know, for them to keep making millions. Like that just doesn't sound all that sustainable. And it's not most of the time. No, it's very dicey. Yeah, no, I always say our paycheck depends on 18 to 22 year old males. It doesn't need more, but, um, but it did for all those years. I mean, and I, and I obviously made money too, so we're fine, but um, yeah, no, it's kind of, and then when people get into the NFL, they have more time than they've ever had. And more money. And more money. So Scary. more time, more money. Yeah. Trouble looms. Possibly, yes. So how, so how do you, with all of that being said, let's segue into the next topic of conversation. How on earth do you then find the right clients that fit you? Uh, I tell them who I am. I'm about protection, advocacy, and trust. And if they appreciate that, we can start a conversation. Then the next conversation I have is I talk to them about, here's what you're going to pay an agent. This is really important, Tommy. If you are a certain pick and you agree to a 3% charge, you could pay somebody a couple hundred thousand dollars if you're a first round pick as an agent. So I say to them, look, I want you to write out that check. You're projected to be a second round pick. You're going to make this much money. Here's what you're going to pay an agent. Is that really how much you want to pay an agent? Then they say, not really. I said, okay. So I I also changed my fee structure. So I charge 3%, but I cap it at 20,000. So no matter what, nobody's paying more than 20,000. But also if somebody goes like from active to practice squad or whatever, I'm still getting paid the 3%, right? Sure. 
So no matter what, I know I'm, because I know about how much time it takes. Now, here's the other biggest lie out there. I need this training. I need to drop out of school. I need that. No, you don't. We just proved there was no combine this year. People still got drafted. The player I had in this draft, he'd finished playing April 17th. I had 10 days to get him a deal. Got him a deal. He had no pro day. He had no trainer. And guess what? What? No combine. So guess what? The training stuff drives me crazy. That also is a big, huge. You don't stay at your school. Keep working out. You need to train to be a football player. The track events are, you know, one day of track events. I mean, it doesn't even help you. Well, how, so how much are these? How much are these facilities, training facilities, charging agents? I don't know because I don't play that game. So you you have never played that game. No, I don't play that game. Um, I just don't because it doesn't pencil, Tommy. Now. If it's a first round pick and they want to go, let's say you've got the best quarterback in the draft. Okay, go go meet with the quarterback coach. That's fine. But then I can't cap it at 20,000 because that guy over there that's going to train you and you're going to live there is going to cost you 20,000. You see what I mean? It doesn't pencil. So so mm-hmm. I say to guys, how much do you want to pay me? You want to pay me $200,000? Or you want to pay me $20,000? What it okay, Tommy? What what do you think about that? Well, yeah, obviously you take as a player, you take twenty thousand, right? Because you're you are ninety five percent of the analysis is done, okay? Ninety five percent is done by your film and your playing. Then there's this five percent factor where somebody maybe goes up and down a little bit because they are athletic, and that's really what. The combine is about, is this kid athletic? Can he jump really high? I mean, the fact is, if you have pretty flexible hips, you're probably going to have a higher vertical jump. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you stretch for two hours before, your vertical jump's probably going to be higher. You know, so there are certain techniques, but you don't need to pay a bunch of money to a trainer to learn those techniques. I can guarantee you your strength coach at your college can teach you how to do that. You're probably right. Um, keep your scholarship. Get a I, master's if you're done with your degree. Get get a master's. Get your scholarship check. Don't 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 give up a paycheck. That's the other part I don't get. It's like why would you give up your paycheck in the spring? Makes no sense. No, I I, I agree with you. I think, and I think um, a lot of people have a. And I'm talking about just like the, the general public that don't play college sports, that just watch college sports from afar and try and put pieces of the puzzle together that way. There is just such a small, small amount of people entering any draft that know that they're going to be living a comfortable life the rest of their the time here on earth like that like you know like i'm talking about like when i was around the marcus mariotas of the world the Jameis winston's of the world the jared goffs of the world like the, the guys that know they're a top five pick zach wilson this past year he knew he was a first round pick he probably could you know he could go to california and he could spend twenty thousand dollars on john beck and and training and living in a mansion because he knows that he's gonna be making millions and millions of dollars come april would he have gotten drafted anyway at that spot if he ha- hadn't have done that? 
No, I think he would have. I, I agree with you. So but, why waste the money? Because I, I think part of it for those guys is the, the, the ability to put it on social media. Hey, I'm in Southern California training with John Beck on the beach, living in a mansion, and have a look at this place and showing everybody, as opposed to say, staying silent. Uh, that, I'm saying, why doesn't Zach just stay with his quarterback coach that got him where he was anyway in, in, at BYU, okay, and then John Beck could come over there for a couple days and fine tune him because he already had been working with John anyway. Right. Okay. So, I don't know. So, so bring John Beck in for a couple days, whatever. You can do the social media there. Uh, keep your scholarship. Now, maybe he was done with his degree. He probably was. Um, but it, it's just, it's just a bunch of, to me, it's, 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 listen, this week I interviewed Don Davis, who is, um, the player representative for the NFL players union. Okay. Right under Demora Smith. Okay. He's right under the executive director. And we talked about this issue. He goes, Oh yeah, Joe, we've really led the players down a wrong path. I said, Yep. You know, we talked about, we talked about how last year there was no OTAs, uh, no mini camps and no preseason games. And they played a whole season and they had 15% fewer injuries. So apparently we don't need OTAs either. And OTAs are man are, are voluntary. Anyway, the players don't have to go. They still have to work out, but what did we figure out? We didn't need all that. Then we just figured out we don't need the combine either. You just need games, it seems. It's, 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 For those of you, I have a podcast called Representation Without Taxation. I have interviewed the, the union, the head of the union, the executive director, Demora Smith, last year about all these issues. And then I, then I talked to Don just this week, and you should listen to the interview because it's interesting. And he agreed with me, too. And, and I just proved this year again and again and again, I just had a guy, no pro day, uh, just finished playing. I did send out an email every single day, got his measurements, had him do some things that the, the teams wanted him to do. But like, it was like a workout, like, a, but he's no lineman. Okay. And he got a contract. Well, so why did all of this start then? How, how did all of this start? It's social media, I know, played some sort of a role. It had to have, because otherwise people wouldn't do it. Oh, I'll tell you who started it. Drew started it, Drew Rosenhaus. Drew decided to get a competitive advantage to get the first round pick. I'm going to create and, this. And Drew's a, an agent? Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. He's Drew Rosenhaus. He started this whole thing that I'm going to have this whole training thing for these guys because that's going to be my point of difference. This was before everybody started doing it. Well, for first round pick, that makes sense. Okay. But it doesn't make sense when all of a sudden the undrafted free agent wants the same thing that the first round pick wants. You see? For sure. For sure. Or even the guy who uh, is a seventh round pick. I'll give you an example. The kid at BYU. uh, Hercules, I think is his name. He, He ended up going in the seventh round. But he wanted somebody who was going to send him to a trainer and do all that. And he was a seventh round pick. So if that agent spent, and I think he went to Florida or something, that agent probably spent $20,000 on a kid who was a seventh round pick. 
So that doesn't make sense for an agent. No. So how how do you? So it sounds like to to try and I guess go full circle here. It sounds like there needs to be more education whilst yes. they're in college, because yes. when I was in college, we didn't we didn't know enough. And and to be fair, I was hopeful to get drafted. I knew that there was a chance I wasn't going to get drafted. I didn't care if I could get sent to California to swim with the dolphins and punt on the beach and somebody was willing to pay me to do that. I would, I would have taken them up on that. You would have done it at that time. Of course. Of course. And so like chap came out and worked with you. He did. Yes. We, we, in fact, uh, we went for Chappie to come out. Somebody did pay for the flights which would have been a couple grand. Yeah. And and then, of course, uh, I flopped and never never got drafted and choked uh, at the Jets the 24 hours I was there and I was on a plane home before I knew it. And yep. my agent was certainly in the can for me. He didn't make money with me. I didn't right. pay him. So a lot of agents, and this is what I want to say to young people that are trying to get in the agent business, a lot of my friends have gone out of business. They're not doing it anymore. Why? They invested money in people that they shouldn't have, and they shouldn't have done it in the first place. I have been preaching this for many, many years. I'm not telling you that everybody listens to me. I lose a lot of guys, okay, because of it. But I'm telling guys, you don't need to do that. You really should be training to play football for an entire year. It's a, it's hard. So, Getting so, why don't you just tell people, hey, if you're not a first round pick, I'm I, I can't, it doesn't make sense for me. I do, you, you're just blunt, you're straight up with them. No, I'm, t- I'm straight up with them, but but I will, what I'm saying is, they will pick somebody else because I'm not willing to do that now, of course, hey, if they want to pay it all back to me, you know, but what happens if they can't afford it? Like, for instance, you. I don't know how much your guy spent. I have no idea. I bet he spent, like, three grand. I don't think he spent too much. I think it was just flights. Chappie now wants more than that, though. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the other... I understand why Chappie wants more. Because he's leaving his people in Australia that he's training to go to college to spend time in America with somebody one-on-one, he has to, he's lo- he's losing money by doing that if he's not getting paid in America. You know, it's one thing to have the flights paid for, but he's at a point now where, hey, he's busy in Australia. If he can't, if he doesn't get paid in America, you know, for the week that he's out here that goes right into his pocket, he it doesn't make sense for him to do it either. So everybody wants to get paid who's... Who's paying everybody? Whose pocket is it coming out of? Is it, it coming has, out of mine or yours? Yeah. If you're the player. So I'm saying to the player, if that's what you want, then you pay for it. But they don't have any money. They're just finishing college. Now, maybe they will because they're going to be able to monetize their name and likeness. I don't know. <laughs> it's a fascinating. And then you have people that are that players that shoot up draft boards just from their, their performance at, say, the Combine. Uh, that is not true, though, Tommy. That is a so, lie. Okay, so Eric Rowe. That is a lie. That is okay, a hold lie. on, hold on. All right, well, let's talk about this because okay. 
Eric Rowe. You remember Eric Rowe, I'm sure, the former Utah player. This is back in the day, so maybe you've forgotten about him now. But but he was a, a cornerback safety hybrid type, and uh-huh. he was incredibly athletic. He had a good career at Utah. Good career. Not great. Good. And then he went to the Combine, and his athleticism thrived. And all of a sudden, he went in, like, the third round or something. When, like, his performance at Utah did not validate third-round okay. pick. But How he, did that happen? Well, he would never have gotten to the combine if a majority of the teams had not classified him as a draftable player. Because the only guys that get into the combine is if a majority of the teams say, I'm giving him a draftable grade. Some team had him high on their draft list. Interesting. Okay. Then, then you go to the combine and you do stuff that's consistent and they see, wow, you have an upside and you don't have a lot of injuries and you were already, maybe you were a a high fourth round pick, but you know, I'm afraid Then how does somebody get drafted in the third round? Because they think the next pick is going to be a team that's going to pick you because of who's left on the board. So there's some stuff that's just flat out luck. How many great players at your position were in that draft class? Um, who's the team that's about to draft that you think might draft that same kid? Um, all those things come into play. So to say that uh, a kid moved up a lot, I mean, they would have already had a draftable grade. And then there's people that get overhyped and think they have a draftable grade and they don't. Oh, that's to me a very big problem. And that's the more common issue. Yeah. Okay? That is the more common problem. And then there's players that have a much better senior year. So maybe their junior year, their grade wasn't too great. Their senior year, they kill it and they move up the draft, but that had to do with their play. And then they do better at the combine and it's kind of a year of getting better or, or, or a team seeing progress that this guy has a huge upside. So you know, somebody who's reached their peak, they're a little more nervous with than somebody who has a huge upside. Okay. Now, if you're a first round pick, they're expecting you to come in and start. It's different. It's very different. And there's only 32 of those. And every year there's only 176 new players that make teams. 176. That's it. Uh, I heard something along the lines of 50% of first round picks will never live up to expectation. That's probably true. Johnny Menzel. Johnny football. Boy, I hope he makes it on the PGA Tour. Um, he would have been great. He would have really been able to monetize his name and likeness, though, in college, maybe. But maybe not, because <laughs> he kind of had some things he did off the field that were a little scary. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah Marcus Mariota is like the, the perfect player for me that if the, the name and likeness thing was around back then, I think he would have crushed it. Yeah. He's perfect. I mean, he's like humble. Yeah. He's he's a minority. He's Hawaiian. You know, he's polite. He's kind. He's incredibly talented. Yeah. yeah I mean, like that is to me, he's like the perfect. Anyway, I bet no, Nike would have jumped all over him and I would have yeah, no idea why. Trevor Lawrence would have been, you know, pretty. pretty yeah. There's a lot of guys. I mean, Sam Darnold, he's a little quieter, but good guy, you know, when he's the quarterback at USC. Because um, the guys that get a lot of sponsors in football are guys who handle the ball all the time. So 
quarterback, wide out, maybe a running back. Um, and then a guy who is just good on social media, like Juju Smith, um, he would have, you know, he's done really well with his social media. Um, so there's certain personality types that are really good. And they, even though they might not be as good on the field as they are on social media, those people might be able to monetize. And I think a lot of women will be able to, because there's so many products, you know, like Maybelline, uh, L'Oreal, Ultra Beauty, you know, there's a lot of fashion and beauty products. And I could see them being attracted to a lot of female student athletes as models, truthfully. Mm. Why not? Think about uh, that. No, I, 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 I mean, there are, there are a lot of student athletes across the country that are model type. Yeah, they're in good shape. They're, I mean, let's say they're great students, great players. Um, and, you know. Like that lady that uh, came out of Oregon, the basketball player. I'm spacing on her name now, but she, uh, she will be getting, if she was still in college, she was a big deal up there in Eugene and across the country. So uh, I think it's really cool, by the way, how over the last couple of years, uh, women's sport had, has, taken, has taken a big step forward uh, and it's just gotten more attention. And I think it's, yeah. it's, it's needed and it has been needed for some time. So it's, fasc- it's fascinating and also uh, very exciting for the women across the country. Women's gymnastics team at Utah, UCLA, they get a ton of views every time they do anything on YouTube. Oh, I know. Yeah, they're, they're a big deal. I mean, they they sell out uh, yeah. the Huntsman Center. I mean, they, 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 they put thousands of more people in that place than the bloody men's basketball program does. And have been doing it for years. Correct. Decades. This Decades is, not- is an understatement because the gymnasts all lived on my floor and they were fun. Oh, I bet. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember back in the day. I remember hanging out with some gymnasts. Uh, it was a good time. Now, uh, we have a few uh, questions from uh, from Twitter. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll try to get through them. As Some of them are a bit, are a bit loaded, so I'm going to try and, like, bypass them. For example, um, in fact, my, my brother-in-law asks, what is one aspect of the professional sports business the fans would be surprised to learn about? And I feel like that is such a loaded question. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is. They think that I'm sitting around hanging out with professional athletes all day. No, I'm in my office. Okay. I'm at a office. lake. Yeah. at the lake. I'm in my office. I'm doing work. I'm, you know, talking to clients. I'm doing zoom calls all day. Um, I probably go when prior to COVID, I would go to a game. Okay. Obviously of any client that I had, I was at a football game every weekend for sure. Cause my husband was coaching and my dad was too. So I was usually every Saturday at a game and I'd be at a practice, but I was at those things because of my husband, not necessarily with what I was doing. Right. And, um, you know, go to the combine, go to the AFCA convention, but otherwise, no, I'm not hanging out with my clients. They're too busy and I'm too busy. So they think it's like all, like the movies, no. Well, that, that HBO show probably it's, hurt. What, what's that? Uh, Dwayne the Rock ball, Johnson. Ballers, you mean? Ballers. Yeah, no, that's not how it is. Okay. <laughs> now, 
You're not, you're not ripping cigars and sipping on whiskey yeah, on Monday through Sunday. I, I do enjoy like it, it, when it is the off season. I have gotten together with my clients and we go golfing and you and I have golfed together, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We had, at the combine, remember, we had a bloody good time we out of the have combine. A good, did have a good time at the combine. Yes. Well, so I'm not with Marshall. Remember? Yes. It, yeah. Where is Marshall, by the way, quickly? He is up in uh, Minnesota. He he ended up just, you know, hanging up the cleats. But oh, he's done. He's done. Okay. Yeah. Well, he had a few years there where he... Yeah, he played for the Giants. He played for um, Cincinnati for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah. He, he bounced around. And, he, yeah, he could kick. He was uh, talented. Yeah. Hey, next next question is is again, maybe something challenging, but the craziest story of a client, like, like and, and this person, uh, Brett Greenwell asks, what, what are the weirdest things say a client has ever requested or demanded in a contract with team or sponsorship? Is there anything in particular that stands out or is it all been pretty? Well, I think I had the most uh, interesting things happened when I was representing Kendall in the UFC. What happened? Well, it was just, I mean, is it PG? <laughs> I work for the church. Yes. Remember, <laughs> please don't get me fired, Jill. I don't want to, but so the, how it goes with the fighters is they literally, you know, they don't do anything but train and they have to get down to a certain weight before a fight. Correct. So no going out, no one doing anything with their friends. You know, they, they're, they're working out, working out, working out. But after they fight, I also had to set up an after party. You were in charge of setting up the after party. Yes. Yes. So I had to go to the after party and Kendall had quite an entourage. He's from Maui. Did you, did you have your daughters help you? <laughs> they have some stories about that too. I told him to go sit in the sports book. I got to go in the fight. <laughs> yes, I have done some interesting things, Tom. But anyways, I said, I don't have a ticket for you, but. <laughs> but that would, they wouldn't have been of age, right? Like in junior high, I think. Oh, okay. They, okay. They were a little bit older. It's not that they couldn't have been, but I said, I got to go in the fight. I got to watch Kendall's fight. Now you, you guys stay out here in the sports book while a mom will be out in the. <laughs> But that's a whole because they sit there and say, "Do you remember the time you left us in the <laughs> in the sports book?" <laughs> but anyways, oh dear. But so after parties, and they were not always with me. But you know, if I didn't, you know, sometimes they wanted to come with me. You know, right, what I mean? right. Mom's going to Vegas, so <laughs> <laughs> so the after party. One of the very first after parties I did. For Kendall, he was sponsored by um, Tito Ortiz's uh, shirt company. Tito Ortiz was married at the time to the porn star. Okay. I had a feeling pornography or porn stars <laughs> were going to be involved in this story. And you know what? They were actually really nice. But when we went to the after party, you know, you, you get a table, the... the um, is it just at a club? Like a, like at a you- club, but the club is paying him to be there. Got okay. you. And do they allow other people into the club or is it all his? No, the, the cl- the, the, they get people to come to the club because he's there. Ah, so he'll have like a section of the club. Yeah, he had a section of the club. And so then all the guys would come in and, and 
and including his entourage. Right. And I just, and I just looked at him and I said, look, one person gets in a fight and I'm going to absolutely lose it. They were actually afraid of me. I said, because, you know, Kendall is here to do his thing, but you got to understand after a fight, they haven't had anything to drink. And all of a sudden they want to drink and have fun. Uh, It can get scary. Right. And so I just had to manage that to make sure nothing happened. Um, And then when I went with him to Abu Dhabi, um, I said, Kendall, you know, we're in another country. We need to be really careful. Don't do anything. And he was with, uh, you know, there was another fighter from Hawaii there too. And I just was worried that they would do something because there, I mean, they'll just arrest you and not let you back out. Right. Right. They'll take your passport and. Yeah. And so, um, so I was a little worried there, but to be honest with you, being a female there, like I went out one time to the water and they were like, Oh, you can't be out here by yourself. I was like, what? You went to the beach? Yeah. Cause I went into Dubai. I didn't know that past 10 PM, you couldn't be out by the beach. Past 10 p.m., you're not allowed at the beach at, at, in Dubai. Yeah. And then and then I went indoor skiing there, too, at the mall. They have oh, an indoor skiing thing. I've heard about this. In Dubai. <laughs> and I took I took his trainer with me. He'd never skied before. So it was really fun. But so, you know, I wouldn't say they were like, but nothing bad happened. But I did get very worried because they would literally go off the chain after the fight. Because they would they, just drink. Well, but that, part of that was because. I don't know what they were doing, but. I think I understand. Now, uh, there was, there was, uh, there was other, uh, maybe, maybe drugs involved. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. I, I, I have no idea either. Jill, don't look at me. I don't, I have nothing I'm just to do saying, with I got this. real nervous afterwards because I did not like, I didn't like the after party responsibility, but that was part of it because he made money off that. Yeah, they paid him, which they paid him to come and they do a big promotion and, you know, he signs autographs and it's a really good thing. Um, he had some really great deals. I mean, he had a thing with Mickey Big Mouth where they used to put his picture on the Mickey Big Mouth can. It was a great sponsorship. Great. You know, and he got paid for that and he went to all kinds of personal appearance. Again, people were drinking hmm. and you were in bars. Yeah. No, look, I, yeah, that's, that's so, another yeah, that's I mean, challenge. But um, with NFL players, I really, I did have a player call me one time. I'm in a bar. I, I, I got in a fight and I was just like, okay, please just go home. And he got in a fight with the guy he was competing with at his position, you know, about practice. Okay. So guys do that kind of stuff. And yeah. That's yeah, why it's, ge- it's generally why women live longer than men. Uh, I've decided. <laughs> Don't go in a bar and get in a fight. No. During the game. Not a hey, good idea. Is there one NFL team that, like, historically has just been really hard to, to negotiate with? Uh, or are they all pretty pretty, pretty challenging? You know, they're all going to try to save money. Um, but like, I, I think really where you got to look is uh, how they treat your player if your player's injured. That's key? It is to me mm. because – and there are some teams – you know that they always try to get out of it. Well, I, I find it interesting because, like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, have just forever 
have been a really well-run organization. They haven't gone through many head coaches. They've gone through very few. I love the Steelers. And, but but they treat their players like, yes, I think they treat their players fair. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, you would know more. They treat their players good, poor. I mean, they, they don't do poor. They don't do great. It's just fair. It's like, this is the standard and this is what we do and this is what we live by is that is that a fair uh, statement to make i would say that what you could ask me is which teams do i really like that's really a good one i really like seattle um i think pete carroll's done a really good job um i i think you can see where teams maybe have been more difficult like the patriots Cleveland, although their whole culture has changed, I feel like, but they had a history because they're, it's all about trying to save money, you know? And if an owner has a lot of money, if you look at the ones that are family owned and have plenty of money, less problems than family owned and don't have as much money, you know, are they diversified in other businesses? Hmm. So, and I think it depends. Do you have leverage? But no matter what, I don't care who it is, they're going to try to save money. It's, it's the game. name of the game. It's a game. Yeah, the negotiations are games. They're, and you have to understand. And if I got leverage, but, you know, for me, a lot of times it's more important to get them to the right team. Yeah, the right fit. The right fit where he has the best chance to make it for the longest period of time. I like that. Um, before we let you go, what what is your elevator pitch? Like, what about, do you do? You I'm, tell. I'm about protection, advocacy, and trust. I want to protect you. I want to be an advocate and your trusted advisor. Whether you're a coach, a player, a fighter, athletics director, that's who I am. That's who I was when I was little. I was the person on the playground. If somebody was picking on somebody else, believe me, I wasn't going to allow it to happen. And I don't like it when people are treated unfairly in any way, shape or form. I'm going to have your back no matter what. That's really, really. And I, and I am about treating my clients like they're my family. A massive thank you to Jill McBride Baxter. Hey, if you want to follow up, check her out on Twitter at J underscore McBride. Baxter, she also has an Instagram, but more importantly, her website is where you can find all of her work, and if you ever need to get in contact with Jill, maybe she can be a mentor for you, who knows, JillMcBrideBaxter.com is where you can find that website. Thank you so much for tuning in, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the It's Utah's World podcast. Stay safe and be well. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.